morning. Good morning. I don't know if you know this um, or not. You're pretty savvy churchgoers, but you may not know that God takes care of His children. Um, and sometimes He does it in ways that seems like He's not really taking care, good care of them, but He has in a, sometimes an elaborate plan that uh, ends up He is taking care of them. And even those who don't believe in Him are His children, and He takes care of them too. Uh, he likes to use His people, being the church, and in the Old Testament times it was the, the Jews, to take care of the rest of the world, or at least try to if they would have let Him. So we're going to look at uh, the Genesis passage, Genesis 45, is the main focus. Uh, we're going to go back a little bit, a few chapters, just to uh, remind ourselves of how Joseph got to Egypt in the first place. And his brothers, being the wonderful, loving brothers that they are, sold him to slavers out of jealousy over their father's favoritism of him. And he was then sold to a gentleman in Pharaoh's court by the name of Potiphar, and he distinguished himself by being able to handle a lot of responsibility. And so Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he did well leading Potiphar's household. Um, unfortunately, after some time went by, Potiphar's wife offered herself to him, and he refused, and as a woman scored will, will sometimes do, falsely accused him of raping her, or adult, of have, having an affair with her. And so he was imprisoned for the false accusation of having adultery with his master's wife. And while he was in prison, he again showed that he could be responsible for others, and the jailer put him in charge of the jail, of the other prisoners. And as uh, chapter 39, verse 23 says it very specifically, because the Lord was with him and gave him success in whatever he did. So in the midst of all of this, being enslaved, being falsely accused, being imprisoned, God is still taking care of him and helping him to take care of others. And then, after two years in prison, uh, Joseph is invited to the Pharaoh to interpret a dream after he had interpreted a dream for some of uh, Pharaoh's underlings. And God sent a dream to Pharaoh about a coming famine. But Pharaoh didn't, couldn't have the, didn't have the interpretation, didn't know what it meant. And that's why he was asking his underlings to figure out what his dream meant. And then one of them remembered that Joseph was pretty good at interpreting dreams. So they asked him to come before Pharaoh and interpret it. And Joseph interprets it and says, we, we're going to have seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. So we need to use the years of plenty to prepare for the years of famine. So God's building this plan of a, for an upcoming famine, and He's using Joseph as the instrument of it. So the famine strikes and sits in the land for two years. And as a famine will do, everybody starts to suffer, including Joseph's family, who were so wonderful to sell him into slavery. Good thing it wasn't me. So Jacob, their father, sends his sons to Egypt because everybody throughout the land hears that Egypt has plenty of grain. Come and buy, come and get the grain from the capital and you can be taken care of. So they come before Joseph and Joseph, of course, recognizes them. They don't recognize him because of the way he's dressed up and they were expecting him to be dead or sold off working who knows where. 
And he gives them back their money. They paid for the grain, but he gave it back to them. And they didn't know. And when they opened it, they were distressed because they thought they had paid for it. And Joseph is doing this to kind of build in them, in them a sense of their wrongdoing to lead them to repentance. It looks like Joseph is kind of trying to get vengeance on them, but if you read a lot of the commentaries, it really explains how he's really doing it, and actually God is doing it through Joseph to bring his brothers to repentance for what they did to him. The first trip that they took, they didn't bring their youngest brother, Benjamin. And Joseph demanded to see Benjamin because he and Benjamin were very close. And so finally they decided to bring Benjamin. And then the second trip, Joseph does the same thing, but he also plants his own a silver cup in Benjamin's sack. And then he sends his men to go arrest his own brothers which to me sounds like something I would have done to get back at my 11 brothers who had sold me into slavery. But Joseph has a better plan than I would have had. He plans to show them mercy. He wants them to come before him so he can reveal himself to them. And then as they plead for Benjamin's life, because Joseph demands that Benjamin stay with him, and they can go back to Egypt, but they tell him it's going to devastate our father. He's the youngest. He was the only one of two sons of his, other, of his second wife that are left because the first one is gone, the first one being Joseph. And so Joseph can't take it anymore. He then, as we read in the Old Testament passage, he reveals himself to them and he tells them, don't worry about it. I was sent here not by you but by God to take care of you, to take care of the, take care of the land because of the famine that was coming. So God's intention all along was to prepare the land for the want of a famine. And it was also to bring the brothers to a place of contrition and repentance for the sin of selling their brother into slavery, which I'm sure we can all agree selling somebody into slavery isn't exactly a nice thing to do. It's not quite the turning the other cheek the way Jesus told us in the Gospel. So Joseph instructs them to bring back his father and the rest of the family and their flocks, the whole plethora of everybody with them, back to Egypt and settles them in the land of Goshen and gives them that area. And he has all this authority, and he was a slave. He has all this authority through Pharaoh, which is actually through God, to do all of this for his family. And he shows them just an incredible, to me, an incredible amount of mercy. And it shows how God built this intricate little plan that we get to see as the, as the readers of the narration thousands of years later. But they had no clue what was going on. All they know is they sold their brother because they were upset with him. And then this famine comes and there's some guy who is selling grain so everybody doesn't starve to death during the famine. And they go to him and they get, it's poof, it's their brother. So God takes an evil act and saves an entire country with it. It's basically, He took one, the selling of one, because who knows if Pharaoh could have administered the grain and the kingdom properly in preparing it for the famine, or any of his other guys. And Joseph, when he was young, they, his brothers were also upset with him because he was a dreamer when he was a kid. And he had these prophetic dreams. And they foretold that one day he would be a ruler of some kind. And his brothers, a 
a passage later in the in the Genesis passage beyond what we read, where it Joseph reminds them basically, or is reminded of that passage of where he's going to become a ruler because his brother says to him, "What are you now the ruler over us?" Because they're a little they don't know if he wants revenge on on him or not. So God wanted to take care of all of His people, not just His chosen people. But He wanted to take care of everybody, and He does did it through His chosen people, which He does throughout, especially the Old Testament narrative, where He uses the example of the Israelites and the Jews to show the world how you're supposed to live. And if you live this way, you have, you're much better off than you think. As God tells us in the Psalms, don't fret over anything. Don't be envious of the people who are doing bad and succeeding because eventually all that falls away and there's nothing left. But what you have from God lasts forever. And Luke tells, Jesus tells us in the Gospel of Luke to have compassion and love for those who persecute or take anything away from us. Because God wants to take care of them too. Maybe they're in genuine need and they need it. We don't know what that person needs. And then even if your stuff is taken away when it shouldn't be taken away by a robber, God tells you don't worry about it. That stuff's not important. What's important is what comes directly from me. And what I have is eternal life. That nice coach you have, that nice car you have, don't worry about it. I'll provide for you. You'll have something else. And of course, I always say, yeah, right. I don't know that I can have somebody smack me or take from me and not try to stop them. I haven't quite gotten there yet. And then Paul in 1 Corinthians, it shows that God has the problem of a natural body versus a spiritual body all figured out. Surprise, surprise. That we, we're natural bodies first, but we have the breath of God in us, and then later on our body will be replaced or rather transformed into a spiritual body. So he's got all this worked out, taken care of. And if you're like me, you don't always trust that he does. I think his watch is broken sometimes because it's not according to what my watch says. That It should be happening right about now, maybe five minutes ago. But he knows what's best for us and he wants to take care of us no matter what. No matter what it looks like, whether you're sold into slavery, whether there's seven years of drought, in famine or whether there's seven years of plenty, He's going to take care of you. And we just have to trust that He's going to do that. And it's not easy. That's why He says it over and over and over again. Jesus says it a lot. Paul said it a lot. It's all over the place. He has to constantly remind us, just like you got to tell your kid when he's reaching for the hot stove, you got to smack him. And then when he does it again, you got to smack him again. And over and over and over again. Because... He wants to do what He wants to do, but God knows what's best, and we have to trust Him to do that. So, don't be like me. Trust that God's going to take care of you. Amen.